Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today I am joined by PFS Herbert Guy. Seth Kalina. <laughs> All right, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you were in the minority there. Like, I was very skeptical of Herbert coming out too. And then also, like, when he hit, like, I'm disappointed because obviously he's now with the Chargers. Yeah. And it looks like, I mean, I'm, I'm here to ho- hopefully for you to talk me off the ledge here, but it definitely looks like the Broncos may actually have the fifth best quarterback in the AFC West right now. And that's, and that's kind of disappointing rough. when there's four teams. And I mean, if you like the backups for anybody else, like it might be worse. Well, so I've I'm I've like taken a radical shift on this because uh, me and Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, are best friends now. So I'm I'm pro. No, we're not best friends, but I had him on the podcast on my podcast, the PFF College Football Podcast, and uh, and and honestly, like he, you know, just from watching Staley's work at. You know, in Los Angeles, on the other side of Los Angeles, um, with the Rams, was so impressive. And now that I've talked to him uh, on a, on my podcast, it's like, well, I, I'm I'm now I'm now the Herbert guy, but like in a positive way, I think. Yep. I'm trying to be. I'm just trying to take. I'm just like I need to spin this in any way possible. Um, but yeah, I think we're all like a lot of us were were um, an, not anti Herbert, but just very like I'm not, I'm not sure about this guy. And I think for me, one of my blind spots, and and I told this to a friend of mine on his podcast recently that I I refuse to change, is that like I just don't rate 
the guys who are like big arms, who like have some accuracy problems, maybe throw to the other team a little too much, you know, especially in college. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm like, that's not what I'm into. I, I'd like to see the guys who are a little more technical, who, who maybe don't have the physical talents, but are have to become more technical and their footwork has to be perfect every time. And the ball placement has to be perfect every time. And the timing has to be perfect every time. And with Herbert, you know, one of the crazy things is like you watch him and he looks like a rookie and then he's completing all these balls in, in the same sense of where the footwork isn't great. Uh, you know, decision-making isn't great, but holy shit, what a, what a throw, what an arm on this guy. And it makes everything, and now you can build off that and you can say, okay, well, well, he was just a rookie. So where can we build off? Well, there's all these other things that he needs to improve on, but you can do that while still hopefully, you know, if you're a Chargers fan, hopefully still winning games because he can create such explosive plays with his arm. And I think I would be, I would be excited if I was a Chargers fan. I think there's not, you know, there, there's some warning signs, I think, when you look into the data a little bit. But um, besides that, I think I would be pretty excited if I was a Chargers fan, which apparently I am now. And and so I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself because mm-hmm. you're one of those people – Anytime I've ever talked to you on Twitter, anytime I've ever bugged you, I've always just felt like you're really approachable. So for those listening, if you have not picked up on who I'm talking to, this is Seth Galina from PFF. Uh, oh, we he, didn't even get to that. Yeah, yet. no, so I, I, I screwed up. Uh, but he hosts the College Football Podcast with Deontay Lee. Um, if you don't listen to it, I have it bookmarked. I catch it every week. So I did see the Brand Staley episode. I tend to catch them a couple days after they come out. So I'm still waiting for this week's one. So. No spoilers uh, or spoilers. And, you know, I'll just give me some. Well, honestly, this one is really interesting. We talked, it's like, even if you're not, we talked about recruiting. Okay. Yep. But even if you're not into recruiting, like, and maybe you don't have a favorite team in college uh, or whatever it may be. I think it was really interesting because we talked about like American demographics and shifting demographics is that that is what is affecting recruiting. You know, that's how we uh, recruiting is affected. So I think if you, if you're into that type of stuff, it's, it's still an interesting episode to, uh, to listen to. Well, one of the things I love about your, your episodes too, is you kind of cover all levels, like guys going in the league football as a whole from a macro level. I think so. Yeah. You'll dig into scheme. You'll dig into different stuff with teams. Like it, for somebody, for me, I just love football in general. I feel like I learn every time I listen to it. And that's, again, guys, that's why I recommend it. One of the big reasons why I had you on, because I feel like I try to get people on there smarter than me so I can learn. Um, and hopefully people listening get something out of it. But we're not here to, you know, talk too much doom and gloom about how Herbert's going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> we're here to talk doom and gloom about just, about Drew Locke, right? Well, <laughs> and, 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 well and the good, the, the kind of the good transition with that is, a lot of the hope with Drew Locke is tied to similar ideas that you just mentioned with Herbert is that Drew Locke has the arm and he has like the kind of the, the greedy aggressive mentality of going yeah. deep. And then basically we can just fix everything else. And that's kind of been the MO with him since he came out. And, and I, I don't want to like put words in your mouth. I've been very skeptical of Drew Locke for similar reasons to why you were skeptical of Justin Herbert and similar reasons to why I was skeptical of Justin Herbert. I watched his tape coming out and I was like, he looks like a roller coaster. And it's like, you're really hoping he puts a lot of stuff together that a lot of guys don't typically put together. And again, I'm not trying to be too down on him, but that was my thought going into his rookie year. And again, he, he won some games. He had some promising moments and everybody kind of got on board in Broncos country. And then last year happened. And now he's in a competition with Teddy Bridgewater. 
And the hope in Broncos country, I don't know how closely you followed this, but the hope in Broncos country basically is Drew Locke basically has to win the job or we're screwed because Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to take us anywhere because we already know what he is. Um, yeah. Whereas Drew Locke could still put it together. Um, I've done, and again, I may be re- way off on this. I went back and looked, me and a colleague, jo- Joe Mahoney, if you you guys listening, we went back and looked at every quarterback since 2000 uh, with 16 starts or more. And then we tried to put together how likely is it really that a guy's going to break out in year three. And according to the data, the only guys that have done it that like are notably have done it, like gone from like where Drew Locke was last year to good, not like crappy to bad, but like actually good, Drew Brees and Josh Allen. And I know you're familiar with Drew Brees, and this is actually how I first came across your stuff. Is And again, I want to recommend, this is, again, if you guys don't already follow Seth on Twitter, follow him. It's PFF Seth. Um, but you did breakdowns of Drew Brees. You did breakdowns of Peyton Manning a couple summers ago. And it was just, I learned a ton. Um, but you've seen Drew Brees, and you're very familiar with where Drew Brees was when, at one point, they drafted Phillip Rivers thinking he was a bust. And then he put it together. Do you, like, are, are we crazy to think that, and I, I say we, but I don't, I'm pretty skeptical of this. Are we as like Broncos fans, skeptical, should we be, is it realistic to think that this could happen with Locke considering that COVID was a huge part of kind of what went wrong for everybody last year? Or are we just kind of fooling ourselves? You know, I don't think it would be realistic. Like if you're betting on it, you wouldn't, ne- you wouldn't bet on it because it's exactly what you just said. The third year breakout, like so rarely happens. Um, and I think just being like, well, he'll just do what Josh Allen did last year or he'll just do what Drew Brees did uh, 15 years ago and become a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, you just, it's not something you would bet on. I, I understand that there's always, you know, especially with a player like Locke, there's going to be flashy plays. Now, one of the differences, in my opinion, with Locke being in that kind of same type of quarterback as Justin Herbert is Herbert's arm is like A to A+. plus. And I don't think Drew Locke's arm is A+. plus. I'm not saying it's a bad arm at all. Like in terms of arm strength, it's only getting the ball down the field in tight windows and stuff like that. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's A+. plus. It's probably more in the B plus type of range, I guess. Kind of reminds me of of Zach Wilson this year coming out when I watched yep. his tape. It's like people were like, you know, with Zach, maybe this is getting off top of it, but you know, with Zach Wilson, it was like, oh well, yes, I, I understand that he didn't really play anyone this year. He wasn't very good in 2018 and 2019 in BYU when they had full schedules and they played SEC and Pac-12 and all these opponents. And then they played just G5 teams and some pretty bad G5 teams, and he looked great. And But it's like – my concern is like, okay, but we haven't – there's nothing on tape that tells us anything NFL-wise with Zach Wilson. But the So you're saying, okay, well, it's the traits. But the traits aren't A-plus with Zach Wilson. He makes some nice-looking throws on the run doing that stuff, but you're talking about an arm and an accuracy that is – at best for me, A minus. So I think that's very similar to Locke, where it's like, yeah, he's making all these plays. He's making some plays outside of structure and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, this is what Patrick Mahomes does and stuff. And it's like, okay, but the arm is not, I don't think the arm is that level where you can just get away with that stuff. And then, and then hopefully you're still starting in the league while the rest of the game starts to come around. And I just wonder if – I think that's probably the issue with Locke. It's like like if you play 
if you play enough games, you, you probably kind of figure it out um, in the league and just like in terms of like, you know, making sure your protections are checked and making sure um, you're throwing to your hot receiver when you need to, making sure you can, you're actually reading defenders and not just like throwing blindly. You probably figure it out if you're giving the opportunities, but it's like, you got to do like with again going back to Herbert. Herbert has done enough with that A plus arm that he's going to be continue giving those opportunities. With Locke and, and a B plus arm, it's like okay, well, eventually we can't keep giving you these opportunities for you to like wait around for us to wait around and have you learn the nuances of the game because the B plus arm is not taking us anywhere. Whereas the A plus arm of Herbert seems to be um, taking us places. So that that's really my concern with Locke. I mean, I didn't. I don't like the tape. I mean, it's what else do you want me to tell you? It's like no, I, it's it, it, the footwork is inconsistent. There, there is, and I, maybe I shouldn't blame him all for this, but there is like pocket anxiety. I would say um, now, the interior of the Broncos' offensive line is not great. Yep, and we know that. But I still think there were opportunities for him to to take a deep breath in the pocket and kind of sit in there and and keep his receivers up op, receiver options available. This is all the stuff that I I, I should promo it here now. But uh, so I wrote an article about Drew Locke and about Teddy Bridgewater um, for PFF.com that's coming out Friday. So you guys can go to that. So I'm I'm going to be saying a lot of the same points that I made in the article. But uh, so basically, you know, that pocket anxiety. Uh, leads to two things. A, I don't know what it's maybe a chicken or an egg thing, but it's like you know leads to um, inconsistent footwork. It leads to being late on throws, and he's not accurate enough to get away with some of that stuff. And and again, it goes back to the arm, like he the the arm strength is not a plus enough to get away with some 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 being late on some throws. And what you end up, what ends up happening is the anxiety in the pocket leads to him bouncing out of the pocket, like you know, rolling out. Um, and what you're doing there is you're cutting the field in half. Whereas with, um, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is a great example of the opposite. And we, Teddy, Teddy has his problems too, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But you know, Teddy will stay in the pocket and will hitch up in the pocket, and we'll, we'll try and keep that you know kind of pocket integrity going. But at least what it's doing is it's it's giving you all five eligible receivers available to you. Whereas the second you roll out, you're cutting the field in half. All of a sudden the five eligibles becomes two eligibles or three eligibles or one guy that you can throw the ball to. And that's a problem. And again, I, I do certainly understand that the, the, there was a lot of pressure coming from the inside last year. Um, so yeah, okay, I I get it. I I've played quarterback before. It's 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 tough to be in there when you're getting interior pressure. But I do think he has to do a better job of that type of stuff. Well, and I want to mention here just because those listening that are and again, there's there's a segment of Broncos country that wants the Broncos to stick with Julak over even trying to get Aaron Rodgers. So I, I wanna I wanna try not you know I, again I know that's where I'm at with it and I and I I don't want to just be a hater on it and I don't think you or I are trying to be. I want to say, like, for those listening, Seth has played quarterback and he's coached quarterback. Oh, he's coached for a long time. I played, I played high school quarterback, and now, but, now I play co-ed division B flag football but, quarterback. But I did coach, I did coach quarterbacks at a high level. Yeah, and that's and that's all Quote I'm trying unquote, to say. High level. But yeah. I just want to say, like, if, this isn't, and, and again, this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to pick your brand of quarterbacks is like you have studied it in a way and you understand it in a way that's just it's beyond 
like from a fundamental level of what you, you know, and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the pocket anxiety because that was a big concern of mine with Locke basically all year last year is he flushes out of clean pockets at yeah. times. And oh, it's not okay. always, some of it was Lloyd Cushenberry, some of it's other people. So neither one of us are necessarily trying to pile on Locke with this, but when you're evaluating quarterbacks, <laughs> it's important to separate the excuses from the actual things that are going on. And like, yes, COVID and that kind of stuff is all real. And it was all, it affected everybody. It wasn't, it wasn't an excuse. It actually happened. But at the same time, like when you're, when you're rolling out of a, a clean pocket, cutting the field in half, and then all, eventually the defense starts to just play into that. And they know you're going to roll right because locked and roll left very much. It's usually to the right. Well, I mean, that's normal for most quarterbacks, yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to roll to your strong side. But yeah, again, you're cutting the field in half. And, and, it, and it goes back to, you know, a lot of this is going to come back to the same place which is like what is the arm now like you want to roll out great um have fun you better be damn accurate on the move and like he's a, he's not really accurate from the pocket so don't expect him to be accurate on the move it's like you're cutting your your your, your field in half and you're not really being able to to hit receivers where you need to hit them man it's not a winning combination and I, again it's like we I, I agree we don't want to pile on but there's just not a lot to there's not a lot of positives there just there just isn't like I'm sorry there just isn't a lot of positives and I don't care like I'm not anti lock I'm not anti Broncos I'm not pro Broncos or not pro Teddy or whatever or Rogers like it's just you put the tape on and, and, it, and it ain't great it's not great you know well, and I, you can look at the tape you can look at the PFF grades or whatever it's just not great well and one thing this came up before the Saints game last year because I, I reached out to you and then all of a sudden, you know, the Broncos were screwed and they had Kendall Hinton. Yeah. Uh but I, I but I reached out to you at one point because I was really curious about this, is that at one point the Broncos changed their scheme. And a lot of people that are really pro lock stick to this fact that the last five games Locke made a huge jump. Okay. Some of it some and again, some of it he looks better. He he did look better. Some of it was, and I'm not trying to, you know, whatever. Some of it was the fact that the Broncos changed what they were calling for him to some degree. There was a lot more static routes. I brought this up and you and I talked about it. And you mentioned this to me back right before the Saints game. I haven't looked at it since. The Broncos basically stopped using horizontal leading routes with Locke because he was so bad at it. And this to me was a big red flag because it's a thing that hurts Judy and it's a thing that hurts Hamler because both of them win more often on a horizontal plane. Yeah. And they're, they're not going to win jump balls very often. That's not their game. And I'm not saying they're bad at it, but that's not why you drafted them. You drafted them to get open, running a route, and hitting them in stride to make plays after the catch. You need a quarterback who can take advantage of that. And Locke wasn't doing that last year. So this was this is the crux of the article that I just wrote, which is, okay, let's – Assume that Joe that 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 Drew Locke doesn't have this unbelievable Josh Allen jump in year three. Because if he does, then it's all good, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything. He's just a great quarterback in this. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm hoping for it. Yeah. Or Aaron Rodgers, so guess, but one or the other. Yeah, exactly. So okay, th- that happens great. But let's we're assuming that that's not going to happen. Um. So my the the article is basically Teddy or Drew. Like which player can help? Can can kind of maximize the rest of the team better because I don't think he either one of them or a guy that's going to just elevate the team like an Aaron Rodgers would but the the roster is pretty good right now we know the defense is going to give them opportunities in kind of uh you know neutral game states where they're not going to be down in every game the defense should be you know it's been at worst it's going to be league average 
yeah. which is kind of where it's been the last couple of years. But I think they did some good job, a good job in free agency and you know, getting Von Miller back. So I think it'll be above league average. And that's that's kind of what you need to get in the playoffs, right? If the offense can work. But the offense, like you're saying, I think the offense has some really interesting receivers in terms of quick separators, yak. Um, first of all, the tight end is a yak monster. Yep. Um, and then, you know, with, with Judy and Hamler, you're getting – it's just quick underneath routes. Um, I mean, Judy can probably be, be a little more, but underneath routes, let him separate, catch the ball, and hit up field. And I think Sutton, you know – Whatever, Sutton's more of a bigger X, I believe, but like, you know, still you want a guy who can yak and, and, and he can probably do that too. So when you look at these type of routes, like who is, like what are these routes? They're crossing routes, they're slant routes, they're in-breaking routes. Because that's those are the routes that, that gain yak. Um, you throw an out route, and I saw Locke through some really nice what we'd call sail routes, so like a 10-yard out or 12-yard out. They're pretty nice. Um, but those aren't what's going to, and they're, they're big plays and they can be big plays, but they're not the, the yak routes out routes are not yak routes. Um, the yak routes are the in, in, in breaking routes or the crossing routes and Drew Locke's accuracy. When you look up the PFF data is pretty bad on those routes and, you know, and, and, it, and it shows up in the numbers. Like, I mean, I, I don't have them in front of me, but I believe there's like a two yard difference in yak from throwing an out route under 20 yards and throwing an in-breaking route under 20 yards. So you want, with that receiving core, which is heavy on guys who can go get yak, you don't want to be putting the ball behind them on in-breaking routes. And that's what Drew Locke did. Or putting the ball, throwing over their heads, which you saw a lot of. Like, you just, that is killing them. Um, because they're so dynamic, those guys are so dynamic with the ball in their hands that you you just don't want to kill the kill plays like that, or and even if it's a catchable ball, like wouldn't you rather like if you're throwing behind him and he catches it and he goes down, you, you put that ball a little bit in front of him and he's running and you're getting another five yards. Like those are super important yards for for a quarterback that just isn't consistent. Um, you know, you want to be able to hit some explosive plays where the quarterback just puts the ball in the receiver's hands and let them go. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that was kind of like a, a, one of the bases for the article was like, hey, like how can we maximize Yak with a really good receiving roster? And it's with in-breaking routes. And who and who's better, Locke or Bridgewater? It's probably Bridgewater. So, like, that was that's step one. I mean, there's a lot of factors here, but that's, I think, step one was just saying, hey, like, if he's going to be the same quarterback that he was, th that's not going to work for the team, I don't think. That's where I'm at. And and I'm glad you brought up with the act, too, because and the, the ball being behind, because I think there's a, a, a fundamental difference between, like, a guy's accuracy, slat, you know, accuracy and completion percentage yeah. and his actual ball placement. And yeah. that was a thing that, again, a lot of people – and I'm not trying to just, again, do the Drew Locke argument here. I just, I feel like I have to touch on some of these. A lot of people will look at Drew Locke's completion percentage and say, look, he was pretty accurate. If you watch the actual throws, a lot of his catches were guys adjusting to the throws and making him right. Or their check down, stuff like that. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying he can't hit the broad side of a barn, but I'm saying his ball placement was pretty scattershot in a lot of games last year, and it hurts the receivers. And that's one of those issues that, Hopefully he's improved. And again, like I, I think we we both agree that like the league would be better if Drew Locke is better and wins that job 
by merit over Teddy Bridgewater yeah. because the NFL is better if, with a gunslinging quarterback who's willing to push the ball downfield. 100%. Yeah. But if he's the guy he was on last year's tape, it's hard for me to see how he's going to win that competition. And maybe, and again, I'm I'm like the hater in chief of Julak, I guess, because I think that. But I just, I don't really like watching bad quarterback play. And that's what he was last year. <laughs> it's not good. No, this is, we're not talking about a guy who's like mid-level right now. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who's like bottom of the league. You know, it's like him and Darnold and some other guys. Like, it's, it's, it was it's it's not good. I don't want to say it. What would, I just want to ask because I'm going to look something up yeah. as we talk here. But what was the the that split there that you talked about the offense changing? Like what week was? Oh, that? Gonna... basically post Miami. A lot of people point to Miami and, and then onwards as like when the when the offense kind okay. of turned it on. Um, and that's it, like, like Buffalo, LA two. I want to say the second Kansas City game. The Saints game is obviously notwithstanding because he didn't play in it. But basically, after he threw the pick against Miami, everyone kind of points to Drew Locke figuring it out. Um, and again, so that's week eleven. So after week eleven, yeah. Okay. All right, let me let me. Um, let me and 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 I want to I want to bring this up to kind of after you look at that, mm-hmm. knowing knowing what we know about Drew Locke and being realistic rather than really optimistic. Because again, optimistic, yeah, I hope Drew Locke turns into a Hall of Famer. I've I've looked at the data. I've looked, you know, I've looked at his tape way too much. I'm, I can't in good conscience tell myself that I think that that's going to happen. Um, having watched him now, I'm curious what you think like a realistic ceiling is. Um, when he was coming out from Missouri, I thought like absolute best case scenario was like similar to Matt Stafford, and that's like everything go you know goes right. Yeah, I would say at this point, I don't necessarily think that. Um, Matt Stafford's pretty damn good. It's it's the same thing with Stafford, man. It's like he doesn't have the arm that Stafford has to do that type of stuff. He just doesn't. It's a it's a B plus arm. Like, so one of the things that I've thought about this past kind of draft season that's kind of caught me, and I don't have any data to back this up, and it's really just a hunch. But I think we overrate guys it's like an optical illusion we overrate guys with that quick throwing mechanic um because and i and i say this because of the justin fields versus zach wilson versus kind of trevor lawrence type of situation but it's really fields versus zach wilson where zach wilson has a super quick release and so it's like oh wow look at this guy throw the ball he can throw it 100 yards what an a plus arm blah 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 where it's like with Fields, he does have a little more like belabored release. So it was like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have the arm strength. He's not accurate, blah, blah, blah. When it's like, that's really more of an optical illusion. Because we see that, like, it's we don't see the ball. Once the ball comes out of his hand, we only look at the result or something. But like the process leading up, just because the arm, like the literal arm comes slower from from uh from fields it's like oh well he doesn't have the arm that 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 wilson has and i think Locke is in the wilson category where he has this kind of like quick release plus there's like like a people like watching quarterbacks who play a little like a backyard style who like whipping the ball sidearm and stuff like that and that's great but again it's a it's it's not the arm is not as good as i think we want we wanted to believe coming out and 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 that we see now Yep. And again, that goes back to Stafford, where it's like, hey, yeah, Stafford does all that cool stuff. But, Stafford but also that arm is ridiculous. Yeah. 
it's ridiculous how his his arm and the stuff that he can do with the ball. So, yeah, it's again, we're, we're, you're hoping that with these type of quarterbacks, and when you went back and watched Locke at Missouri, and especially the year that popped him, which was 2017, I believe. Man, that offense is not anything close to an NFL offense. So you go and you throw for 50 touchdowns or whatever the hell it was. And then you put you get your name out there like, oh, look at this kid for next year because he threw 50 touchdowns and whatever. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. But they're kind of fake. Like, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm like, glad you brought this love, up. I love Josh Heupel's offense, and he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri that year in 20, well, 2017 and 2018. I love that offense. I think it's one of like if I go back to coach again, that is the offense that I'm copying. I love it, but it doesn't put a lot on the quarterback on purpose. So it's like now you have this great year where everyone's talking about you. Now hypo leaves. They bring in Derek Dooley, who's running. Now they they kept some of the stuff, but Derek Dooley had come, you know, from his stint with in the NFL with the Cowboys, I believe. So there's more NFL stuff there, but it's like. Oh, well, we saw Drew Locke throw for 50 touch. So, the, the, you know, 2019, uh, 2018 wasn't as good, but it's like, okay, well, we, he threw 50 touchdowns in 2017. So it's all, it's, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. When it's like, okay, well, some of those touchdowns, most of the plays were not anything that translatable to the NFL. So again, I go back to the same thing that I talked about from the beginning. Now we have to wait for a quarterback to become a real quarterback and doing all those nuanced things. Well, with Stafford, and I don't remember this ten years ago. With Stafford, he has an A plus arm, so you can you can live with it for a couple of years while he figures it out. Like I said, with Justin Herbert, he has an A plus arm, so you can live with those things as as it comes out. Um, and I don't think you can do that right now. And you're seeing it with Locke because it is not an A plus arm, even though we wanted to believe it is because because there's a lot of whip and there's a lot of cool looking plays. But it, I don't. I just. I don't think there's a lot of substance there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of people. Not a lot, but there's there's definitely a camp that believes that Locke would have gone higher in the draft had he come out after that that one year. Um. And and my argument is always. And again, this is this is an interesting conversation to kind of like as a side note. Where you come out, granted, you get more opportunities for coming out yep, going higher. 100%. But that said, like. Locke would probably still have the same problems had he gone higher than where he went. It's just that he may have more patience to try and put it together. So it doesn't yeah, necessarily I, solve yeah. the issues. No, I mean, that's, he is who he is, whether, wherever yeah. he gets picked, right? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have been, he would have probably got, I mean, he, he still was picked relatively high. I mean, like middle, second round, like, okay, that's still high, but yeah, he could have been, he could have been late first round type of quarterback. Um, and yeah, it just went. Uh, it it, it might have been even. Look, I think 
the offensive line play did, does not help the type of quarterback he is. Yeah. Um, because like again, like like again, the, the Zach Wilson thing is interesting because you have a kid who they're both similar and then like I said, B plus arm, but they they look cool. Like, all, you know what I mean? They they run no, around, I, I, they I, make I, plays, they look cool, they got some swag, whatever. But like so if you gave Locke a real offensive line, especially in the interior, um, like Zach Wilson had at BYU last year where they were just stonewalling people in giving these pockets that I've never seen in my life before watching football. Yeah, it looks fucking cool. Like running around, no problems because you got no edge rushers. You got no, no one pressure in the middle. Yeah, and I think Locke could have looked a lot better. But at the same time, again – it does not fix the actual fundamental issues with Locke, which is everything. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. Like you're watching it, and it's like it's got. He's just got. He, he's got problems. the The short accuracy is not great. The deep accuracy. I think you're holding on for this this idea that. He can make plays down the field, well, and he and, can once in a while, and but glad, he also has safety blindness. I'm glad you bring this up because one of the stats that often comes up in a – Big in time a, throws. It's the big time throws. Yep. Yeah. Here's your issue with big time throws. And, we, and like you, you can be like, hey, you know, hopefully this, this, this is stable year to year with this particular quarterback. But one of the reasons why big time throws, and, and you can go on pff.com and look up all our articles that we've written about the stability of these type of statistics, and BTTs are not very stable year to year. And why? It's the the issue is like so many big time throws are are like they're they're lucky. I don't know what else to say. They're lucky. Like like yes, accuracy is important on those throws, but like you th- you throw enough of them, you throw enough you know, go balls down this like vertical outside shots. Some of the, one of them is going to go find the bread basket and those are going to be touchdowns. They're going to be 50 yard throws. They're going to be as we chart big time throws, but they're just, that's not quarterback play. Like anyone. I, I always think about this one play Russell Wilson made last year to DK Metcalf. Which would, which absolutely was charted as a big time throw. It was in the Atlanta game, which I believe was their week one or week two in Atlanta. So they basically, and the, the Broncos ran this kind of concept a little bit here. But so the whole game, the whole game, they were running the basically a two man route concept play action, two receivers, you know, big heavy formation, two receivers out wide. DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf is one of them. I don't remember the other receiver. They're both going to run down the field, straight down the field. And Russell Wilson is going to say, safety, I'm going to look like I'm throwing to the left, but I'm going to come back to the right, and I'm just going to throw the ball up to DK Metcalf. Like, that's not, like, and he threw it in the bed basket. It was a beautiful throw. And Russell Wilson, obviously, is one of these quarterbacks that's kind of a weird quarterback to bring up because he has, like, done some unsustainable stuff for many, many years in a row, like stuff like that. But it's like that, like, I could go back there it's, and it's look off the safety and just throw a, a jump ball down the field to my receiver. Yeah. That's not like elite quarterbacking. Elite quarterbacking is so much more than that. So that's why big-time throws are not stable year to year. So that's where the lock thing is like, yeah, you can be like, hopefully maybe he's just that guy who does a lot of big-time throws. But the thing is, like, you know, with Russell Wilson, it's like, yes, he 
is this guy who who year after year does some unsustainable stuff, whether it's outside the pocket, making these insane throws outside the pocket, whether it's these moon balls that he's throwing that are that are complete more than other guys, but he's super accurate in other areas as well. Like there are issues with Russell Wilson that we're not gonna get into, but he is very accurate from yeah. the pocket. Drew Locke is not that. So like, it's just, t- it's tough for me to envision. It's the same thing. I keep going back to the same thing with Stafford, with with Herbert. And now the, the real one that you wanna look at is Josh Allen, because he's the third year breakout guy. Yep. Josh Allen has an A plus howitzer. Then he's a better running threat. And he's a better running threat. He's a legit running threat. Um, so it's like, man, it, it's it just if you were betting on it, like I'm not anti Drew Locke. I hope he I hope it works out for him. I don't have a problem with him. But if you were betting, you just wouldn't you bet on him yeah. to to break out, I think. Well, and that's on it, and again, like some of this stuff was showing up the rookie year, which is one of the reasons why I was really, really opposed to John Elway last year. And again, we're getting the weeds or kind of a topic, but like, this is why I didn't like the fact that the Broncos didn't bring in anybody, but Jeff Driscoll last year, just because if Julak flamed out kind of how he did last year, it would have been nice to have at least somebody in the wings to keep yeah. the offense at least like functional. Cause there were games last year where the offense was just basically stuck in, like they were stuck in reverse. Um, the Atlanta game, you know, and again, the Atlanta game, the the first Oakland or uh, Las Vegas game was really, really ugly. And so I'm glad that they brought in Bridgewater. Um, I do kind of to preface it. Um, so Bridgewater, he spent two years with the Saints. He went to Carolina last year. It was his first season starting. So again, a lot of first season starting since wrecking his leg. So in a lot of ways, there's similarities between Locke and Bridgewater. And I know you know this as far as like the COVID excuse, the OTAs, the preseason, all that stuff. The question I have for you with Bridgewater and kind of like building off of that, if Drew Locke has a B plus arm, what would you give like Teddy Bridgewater's arm? Because like, that's been like the big question coming out of Broncos camp has basically been like, well, Drew Locke throws, you know, a, throws a real fastball, Teddy Bridgewater. And I think Jerry Judy said it, he kind of just lofts it up to you. Mm-hmm. And Jerry yeah, Judy loves like a, him. Yeah. It's like a C plus arm, I think. So it's not with that better far accuracy. Apart. Yeah. Not that far, but I think, yeah. It's, it's a difference. Well, it's a but, noticeable but no difference. One, you know, there's that like, I'm not a math guy, but like there's like normal distribution where it's like, yeah, you have these outliers on the ends, but really everyone, 90% of the NFL quarterbacks are in the very small range of arm strength. I, I'm glad you bring that up. So I learned scouting from the scouting academy with Dan Hatman. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But this, the grading scale that we used through it is a seven-point scale. And basically, he said the same thing. is Basically, most guys finish between like adequate, which is a little bit below average, and good. And then kind of like as you get farther and farther out, you have the very good and the elites and then the poor mm-hmm. and marginal guys. And I would say like Drew Locke is good to, on his best days, maybe very good as far as his arm. Yeah. And, I, and I considered Bridgewater probably solid when his legs were good. He actually, and I, I think I shared this with you, he had admitted in OTAs that he actually got hurt last year. Yeah. Um, and I thought he had a good game the game after he got hurt. But after that, I think it does start to show up a little bit as now that I know that going back, because his last few games, you start, you start to see, he just didn't have the arm in certain spots, but he was missing part of it. Like not missing his leg, but he was, he was hurt. But yeah, I think with, with Teddy, there is like, and you had said this before, like you, we know who he is now, like play style wise, Play style wise, that's not going to change. But I think the difference with Locke and Teddy is that you're hoping that like 
the 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 results are different in a sense because you're thinking okay lock can still improve where teddy's kind of like here you know what i mean we know who he is and we kind of know how good he is where with lock you're like we know who he is but we don't know how good he can be yeah which i don't i don't, I don't think it's going to be that much better but whatever with, with teddy i just we, we talked about this it's just like it's like you, the alex smith problem yeah like you're good enough to to take some chances here teddy and you he just won't take chances he just won't throw the ball down the field. He is, in, in some cases, and I wrote this in the article, he is like teach tape for young quarterbacks to look at because the footwork is really good. You know, it's great in the pocket footwork. He understands how to maneuver in the pocket, step up in the pocket, do all that stuff. But you're just like, your accuracy is not good enough to throw the ball and check it down as much as he does because we're not everyone wants to be drew Brees. everyone wants to be like hey look we just have a guy and we can just you know you could you you you'll never go broke taking a profit and it's like okay that's great if you have drew Brees because he's never wrong in his throw he's always putting the ball on the money maybe not in 2020 but before 2020 uh he's always putting the ball on the numbers and you're you're so the check down is five yards, whereas with other humans, the check down is not a guaranteed five yards because yep. you're putting it behind him, you're 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 missing him completely, etc. 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 So I think with Teddy, it's like the accuracy is good, mm-hmm. but it's not elite. So it's like you can't be living in that type of world and expect to move the ball consistently. You gotta take some chances to create explosive plays, uh, and he just has not done that in his career. That's not who he is, and I just wonder if that'll ever be who he is. And and so, I guess, and this is kind of like a hope against hope type thing. So I'm I asked this because the way you said that though, he has the arm that if he decided to take those chances, and like some I of think- the and some of the charting does show up like this, where when he's thrown downfield, and again, like this is pre-injury. He, he's capable. Like he's actually yeah. able to get the ball downfield. Again, it's not going to look as good as locks just because his arm's not quite the same, but it's not like, like a lot of people have boiled down the quarterback competition in Denver to basically if Drew Locke starts, Cortland Sun and Tim Patrick will look good. If Teddy Bridgewater starts, the underneath guys will look good, but Cortland Sun and Tim Patrick will suffer for it. Possibly true if Teddy is just not going to give him chances but if Colton Sutton's getting open downfield, Bridgewater uh, probably can get him the ball. Have you seen Michael Thomas's yes. stats with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback? <laughs> like he can find the X receiver. Like, don't worry about that. He'll find the X receiver. But so that's like, and again, I know I'm hoping against hope, but like there's a decent chance that Teddy Bridgewater realizes, and again, like any way you want to point it, but there's a halfway decent chance that Teddy Bridgewater puts it together. If he unlocks that part of his brain, he might have a career year this year with the weapons around him because it's, the Broncos it's supporting roster, cast man. is insane. Yeah. Yeah. They're young, but they're, there's a lot of talent. Yeah, but it's like, is that gonna happen? Yeah. And I, you yeah. hoped it, you hoped it that, you know, playing with Sean Payton, you know, being that type, you know, just like getting that type of uh training, you know, every day and practice with him and Breeze and then Going to a place where he, you know, he went to Carolina. He already knew Joe Brady. You know, they had worked together for a long time, for a year, I guess, in in New Orleans. 
and it wasn't all that good. And and like you said, at the end of the year, after the injury that we know of now, accuracy just was it wasn't very good. But you're hoping that's not who he is. Yeah. And you know he's more of like the, the Teddy that we that we that we know and love. So I don't know. I I will say this one thing about Teddy is non football related. And I, like I don't, obviously don't know him personally, but just like following the Saints, and I happen to be wearing a New Orleans Saints hat right now. Following the Saints, it's like this is the guy you want on your team. And I know it's like irrelevant because like really you just you need people who can produce. But he just seems like a good dude. That's and I know every time you want to believe someone in in sports is a good dude, they they find a way to make you eat those words. But he just seems like a good dude that I would love him back on the Saints. I know like like I don't think he's I I. I wish he was better because he, he seems like a good dude, but I don't know if he'll he'll ever yeah. hit that ceiling that I think we all hope for him. Yeah, but no, but that's that's one of the reasons why I'm rooting for him. And again, I hope the best quarterback plays. So it's not I'm mm-hmm. not I'm trying not to really take sides in this just because it's going to get ugly because I've seen Broncos co- quarterback competitions. <laughs> uh, but but the thing is, regardless, like you said though, that Bridgewater seems like a really character, like everything I've heard from him, everything I've known about him, I've followed him since he came out into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, loved him at Louisville. I me too. loved him at Louisville. And he's been a backup. He's been a starter. He's basically almost washed out of the league because of injury. So like those experiences and the fact that like everything he said publicly is basically that he's trying to like, like help other people learn from it. Like that kind of stuff is what you yeah. want in a quarterback room. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I think whether he wins their job or not, Excuse me. I think whether he wins the job or not, he'll be good for Drew Locke. Same. He'll be good for the quarterback room, um, and and so you're hoping that th- that helps the whole team as a whole, even if he's not starting. That he's just helping there in the, in, in the room. I think like he's that type of type of guy. So I'm gonna put you a little bit on the spot. So if you have Joe Brady on your podcast later, you might not want to have this <laughs> on in case it's like disparaging. Um, but one thing Bridgewater brought up. Because again, fans always fans do the box score stuff. So like they point to Teddy Bridgewater's touchdown to interception ratio, and a lot of people just can't see past that. The fact that Bridgewater brought up that they didn't practice uh, two minute stuff, they didn't practice red zone very much last year, really caught my eye. Just because it was one of those things like that seems really weird. And I I watched. I want to say I've watched five Bridgewater games so far. I'm not all the way through yet, but from what I've seen, some of that does seem kind of fair. But I, but again, you know Joe Brady better than me, and you obviously you're going to understand the scheme part of it a lot better than me. Like, is it kind of like? And I'm not trying to say it's an excuse, but like, they ran the ball a lot in the early going. They ran the ball a lot in the red zone. There's a lot of like verticals type concepts where it's putting a lot on Bridgewater to squeeze a ball in. It seems like there's not a lot no. of. Am, am I? Am I talking about? No, my you're talking about it? you're talking about 2019 LSU and Joe Burrow squeezing the ball in on like. I might call it like a swirl route, like a corner stop in the in the end zone. They ran that a lot for the, in the national championship game against Clemson. They scored two touchdowns on that play. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that type of stuff in Joe Brady's offense. Um, so I guess if they're not practice, you know, they're not super easy concepts per se. So I guess if you're not practicing in the way that Teddy thought they should be practicing, then that that would be an issue. Um, but I, I just don't know like what the NFL is like. I know that you know people came out and said, "Well, that this should, this should be 
you know, situational situations are like one are like full days, like red zone and two minutes are like full day practices. Um, third down is a one full day of practice. So it is kind of weird. It does seem a very, does seem a little college, you know, and we obviously know Matt Rule and Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator and, and office coordinator Joe Brady, all were coaching college recently. And yeah. for a couple of them for a long time in college. So maybe maybe that was it. And maybe they'll learn their lesson in Carolina and and they'll come here with more of an NFL experienced staff and 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 do some things the way that Teddy thinks they should be done. Um, and that'll prove to be better for for Teddy. So and I'm kind of jumping around a little bit because I know I kind of gave you this as like a topic three. Who do you think fits like what you know Pat Shermer's offense kind of better before we kind of well, really yeah go ahead this is the question is it what is pat Schirmer's offense and and you did an offensive scheme analysis and again if you guys haven't checked that out i do recommend it. it's at pff you don't need a pay, you don't need a link or not you don't need a subscription to read it so go read it because it's very informative overall i have it saved because it'll help me basically down the road basically looking ahead to every other you know team the broncos play so again guys go check it out but from what you know of the pat Schirmer offense then i guess like what what are your thoughts on it kind of as a overall but then also like how do you think that helps each quarterback well again so i go back like what is the pass rumor offense because i just recently watched the 2012 2020 uh lock tape and i don't remember as much of the the 2019 lock but when i look at the data and i look at where they're asking the receivers to run routes and where the targets are he's like hey we're not going to put people over the middle of the field um, you know, you have your crossing routes and because they, they do run a lot of outside zone play action and they're going to boot and they're going to have a crossing route come across. So, like, that's part of it. But in terms of, like, the straight drop back game, snag. They run a lot of snag, like the corner and the and the spot and the sit. Like, uh, like okay, and, and with the arrow and, like, okay, that's – I didn't see a lot of offense. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the drop back game. And especially because you can't – you can't give him quick game because it'll, it's just useless. Like, what is the point if he's not going to hit them consistently? This kind of goes back to what I'm saying about Breeze and, like, the check down stuff. Like, what is well, the point if you're – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm not trying to – but one of the big complaints about Shermer last year – first of all, there's this whole thing about how Shermer took over for Scangarello, who left for Philly um, after he got fired. And, like, there, there's a big segment of Broncos country that basically thinks that that was a huge mistake – because Scangarello was doing a better job with Locke. And I don't know, again, how much you've watched. You, know, you just mentioned the 2019 stuff. Yeah. But but the other thing was there was a big complaint about Shermer running the ball too much on second and long or second and medium. But part of that, in my opinion, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Shermer either because I have a laundry list of issues mm-hmm. with him. Part of that, though, is if you don't have a drop back game and you're stuck on second and long, yeah. what the hell are you going to call? Yeah, and it's also just like regardless of because I'm not here. Like I, I just don't have an opinion on on Shermer, mm-hmm. but it's also just like that is nothing to do with Drew Locke. Like, yeah. Whether he well, I mean, it kind of does tangentially. Like okay, yes, obviously, like you said, if you don't have a quarterback, you're gonna run the ball more. But but like 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 that has nothing to do with whether Drew Locke is going to be good or not. Yeah, maybe you, that would lead to more th- third and longs. Obviously, running the ball in second and long does lead to more third and longs, which doesn't help Drew Lock. But at the same time, like if you knew this guy was a player, you, you, then then you would, like you said, you would just run the ball less on second and long because you could get away with throwing the ball 
and figuring out plays for him, uh, you know, after. And it's just like, yeah. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know what the Shermer offense is because it does seem a little pared down yeah. uh, to a normal NFL offense from what I from what I saw. And they do some good stuff. Uh, I'm not anti um, not anti Shermer in terms of play concepts. I like the running and the game. Honest, the running game's good. Um, play action off it is usually pretty good. Um, and then like I said, the drop back game is just so pared down because they don't they just not a lot to, to do there. So in that way, and again, part of this, so I don't know if you know this, and I'm going to end up bugging you about Peyton Manning down the road, but so Drew did work with Peyton Manning. I think they we made a big deal about it here in Broncos country, but I think it was eight hours. Um, they watched a lot of stuff. The thing Drew Locke basically said was a lot about knowing his protection, protections better, getting to his hot, stuff like that. That's in, in theory, yeah, you need that. And obviously, like that's something Manning would probably be able to help with quite a bit. Um, that kind of stuff in theory should help him in those situations in the drop back game. I would hope. Um, but, but kind of hearing you talk about, it, I would assume that you think that Bridgewater in my mind, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater seems like he's probably going to win the job unless you lock made a massive jump. Anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U S like I am now identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I I think so. I think he's a better quarterback, and therefore he should be the starting quarterback for for the Denver Broncos. I mean, I don't know how else to put that. Obviously, like you said, if they're to see this really massive jump, but it's going to be tough, man, because the accuracy, man, like you're just yep. going to go and all of a sudden become a guy who's not overthrowing everybody. Like People don't do that in the NFL unless they're Josh Allen. Yeah, again, it's, and it's like, Maybe this is the future where we're seeing three-year, third-year breakouts all the time. But like you said, if you look at the past, you just don't see it. Yep. Um, and he could be another outlier. You never know. Like he could be another outlier. Um, but yeah, I, I would think it's 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 Teddy Teddy's job, and I think that it gives. Like I said, I think it it gives the, the rest of the roster um, a boost having Teddy in there rather than Locke, because I think Teddy, if he just wanted to, could also hit some of those big-time throws that Locke does. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think it's, I think it's tough, tough for Locke after watching, uh, after 2022 to come back from that. Assuming the best quarterback plays, so either Teddy or a Locke who's better than Teddy, yeah. how, like how optimistic should Broncos fans be about pushing for the playoffs? I know the chiefs are almost definitely going to be, yeah. the, you know, the leader. And obviously again, you're the Herbert guy now, so you're probably a believer in the chargers, <laughs> But, uh, but like, do you think they could push for the playoffs? Like, they have a pretty soft schedule. Yeah, um, I, 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 I love. Like I said, I love what they did on de- on defense, going out, getting secondary players to pair them with a really good secondary coach, and the safety is good, and everything like that. You're getting you're getting Vaughn back. I like that defense is fine. Receiving core, I think we haven't even seen it at its top level. Um, so I think it could even be better than what we think, and. Fant could be an all-star, an all-pro player. 
Sutton could be an all pro player. Judy, you know, it could be a, just a tremendous receiving group. Uh, if Garrett Bowles is continues to be the player that he's been last year and, and going forward, and you know, Bobby Massey is a very solid player at the other tackle spot, like there's good tackles. Obviously, interior offensive line still don't know. Could be. It, it, I, I don't think it'll be as bad as last year because it was pretty bad. So that'll help. So if you just have a solid player like Teddy, hey, you never know, man. Just don't. Just you, you're hoping for a saint like you know stretch there, like they did in in where you went five and zero or six and zero, whatever it was in 2019, replacing Drew Brees, where there's a lot of talent. Get the ball to Michael Thomas. You know, have a good running game. Get some special teams plays like the Saints did that year, and 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 have games where hey, you know what? We're not going to move the ball because Teddy's just not. It's not his game today. But you win a game like the Saints did in Jacksonville in 2019, 13 to nine or whatever the hell it was, because the defense showed up. I think that's what you're hoping for, and you can get to the playoffs that way. You really can get to the playoffs that way. Tough division, I understand, but you have three wild cards now, and I think you can get to the you can get to the playoffs that way. So if you there's a big segment of Broncos fans that think Aaron Rodgers is not. There's no way he's going to get moved. All that stuff. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm throwing this out there if you're listening. If you ardently believe that there's no way the Broncos will ever acquire Aaron Rodgers, this is probably the part where you want to turn it off. Unless you want to listen <laughs> about Peyton Manning, because I do plan to bug Seth about Peyton Manning as well. Um, but I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit, because again, as somebody who studies quarterbacks, you're probably well-versed in Aaron Rodgers at this point. Um, first of all, Broncos should trade for him if he's available. Like, if it, like there's no question, right? No question. No okay. question. Like, um, you can give up some good players in return for him uh, with the draft picks, obviously like, and you think I it's think, worth it. I think it's worth it. Yeah. Cool. The one big concern, cause I've written a couple things about it. The one big concern I have about Aaron Rodgers is 38 or he's going to be, you know, a little bit older, pretty quick here. Um, so the idea of giving up, let, let's say you have to give up Bradley Chubb. And again, that's, yeah, but you I, know what though? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll oh, I just, I, I just want to say like my fear. Cause like outside of Tom Brady, basically everybody else hits 40 and they start to, really hit a wall. Yeah. Like we just saw it with Drew Brees. I, I kind of think like Ben Roethlisberger's kind of hit this too. Um, and there's other yeah. guys as well. Peyton Manning hit this wall. Like he basically, yeah. his body started to fall apart. Yeah. Same with Brees. Yeah. Yeah. Same with Ben. Yeah. Yeah. But no, nah, worth it. Well, because here's the thing. I don't believe, like I'm starting to like not really believe in like windows and like having like extended windows for teams. And it's like, so what if like if you have the chance because we're assuming that that Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to be MVP caliber for two just two more years. Let's say two more years. Yep. Don't you take that now over? Who cares about the future in ten years? Who I cares? Would it do does, it. like go like I think as fans we maybe I'm biased right now. I'm living through a very fun playoff run by my favorite hockey team right now. They're in the conference finals as we speak. Hopefully they'll get to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this, they're in the Stanley Cup finals. They're not a good team. Okay. The Montreal Canadiens are not a good team. They were the last team in the playoffs. They've been a yo-yo team, basically mediocre for, for, for many years. Um, this is so fun. That I don't care if what this means is, you know, I, we don't have to get into hockey so much, but like them going to this far in the playoffs means they're not going to make a lot of changes. Yep. And guess what? They might not make the playoffs next year because it's not, I don't know if the roster is that good. 
I don't give a shit how this affects the team 10 years from now because I'm having such a good time. So like with the Broncos, it's like, I don't care if they trade Bradley Chubb, who is a, could be an all pro defensive end for these two years of potential. Like this, that's the whole point is to win one Super Bowl. We've, we, we we're like, we, we've been um, led astray by the Patriots because they won so many. That's not normal. It's like, oh, how did how did how did the Saints have Drew Brees for 15 years? You know, you won one Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, that's normal. It's normal. It's and such had, a hard thing to do. And you had 15 years where you every spring you thought we might go to the Super Bowl this yes. year. Yes, like that's important. You want that. Um, so I'll take the two years if it means um, if it means like the next 10 or or whatever. Because those are fun, man. That's what you want. You want playoff football. You want to be there in the playoffs, and you want a home game at mile high. You know what I mean? Those are fun. So, yeah, take Aaron Rodgers and forget about I don't care about the future if you have Aaron Rodgers right now. So since we're assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be an MVP <laughs> for two years, I want to bring this up just because – and, you, again, you were out in front on this. Aaron Rodgers before last year wasn't – like he was good, obviously. He's Aaron Rodgers. But he was not as good as the reputation that he had. Uh, think, yeah. Do you think it's because my my concern again? This is maybe I'm you know too down on this. If if the Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers, they're not inheriting Matt Lafleur. Yeah, they're getting okay. Pat Shermer with Aaron Rodgers. Some okay. of those concepts, Pat Shermer can steal the dragon concept. Pat Shermer can 100%. can incorporate a lot of the stuff that worked, but he's not the same play caller. Do you think that should be a concern, or do you think it, it it's okay? Like, do you think it'll? I think there is a bit of a concern. I think Matt Lafleur turned out to be a very very good play caller and offensive coach 100%. But I think the main thing that has turned Rodgers around in this last year, even though they went to the NFC Championship game two years ago, like he, it, it was a weird team and no one was really sure. And I think a lot of people predicted them to regress. And the reason they didn't regress was because Aaron Rodgers trusted the people around him, which clearly is not something that Aaron Rodgers does very often, but he trusted the people around him on the football field he trusted the play call. He trusted the receivers to get open. And obviously, he trusts himself as this elite quarterback. So I think you can go to another spot and hopefully have that same trust again. And if that's the case, you're getting, MVP. You're getting one of the best quarter. Yeah, you're getting an MVP. So I think, yes, the scheme helped. I think LaFleur is a really good coach. But I think that at the end of the day, if Aaron Rodgers just – plays within himself and doesn't just try and do everything, you're fine. You're fine with Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Shermer together. So then assuming all that part, you said basically Bradley Chubb, couple pick, like whatever. What, yeah. Basically what it takes. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean like you, you wouldn't want to like trade one of the receivers because then you're losing one of the guys on offense that that's going to play with Rodgers. But I got on defense Chubb. I mean, yeah, to me, one of the secondary players, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're going to score points. And it doesn't matter to take away a player on defense. That's fair. And you feel pretty good about your defensive coordinator too. So, you know, the scheme too. So, like, you're fine. Uh, and so since since we're on the whatever it takes kind of – I was the whatever it takes guy with Deshaun Watson. And, again, I don't want to get too bogged down in this part of it. Obviously, with 22 pending lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, like there's a decent chance he's unmovable – um, his disposition, last I heard, is not going to happen until after the, the next Super Bowl. 
Um, word is he's not going to settle. So like we're in like limbo with him. Um, the NFL has not punished him as the t- at the time we're recording this. So right now, technically, he could play this year. Um, he's still demanding a trade from the Texans. Again, I know you know this, but I just got to throw this all out there. Um, I know for PFF, you wrote an article because I thought it was brilliant. This is back when I thought Deshaun Watson could be a Bronco. You basically said he was one of the best quarterbacks. Like that was one of the best quarterback seasons you've watched last year. Um, that was good. He was really good. In a, in a, in a, you know, he, he might not play in the NFL ever again. So yes. it's kind no. of irrelevant. It is. It is. I, but like pie in the sky. And again, like I, I'm not saying this to discredit the allegations against him, any of that stuff, but pie in the sky, let's say he comes out of this. He's innocent. Nothing happened. Say similar mindset with him though, basically trade whatever it takes to get him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I just, I, I want to ask you about that because you you studied him, so I gotta. And again, I'm not assuming pie in the sky. I'm not assuming you know that. I, I wouldn't not, assume pie in the sky not, either. No, I'm not. But I'm just I'm not assuming anything with this. I just I've read so much kind of about how these cases go. Basically, it's and again, I know you know this. I'm just saying this, you know, for those listening, because I have been accused of basically trying to be an apologist for this. I'm not an apologist for Deshaun Watson. I'm just saying we don't know. Um, but. From a from a pure football standpoint, I do think it's still something to just think about. The Broncos are a team that needs a quarterback. Um, so he, and he's obviously he's a quarterback, or he was and he would be if he could play again. Uh it's a big it's a big if, I think. It is right it is a very, very big if. Um and again, if you know if he's guilty of it, obviously like I hope it plays out how it needs to play out. Um but I just I, I wanted to ask you about it because I did know you wrote that. And I again I thought it was a very insightful article. Um kind of on the the back end of it. I want to ask you about Peyton Manning just because I've been wanting to talk to you about Peyton Manning forever. Um, and it was one of those things like Peyton Manning's going to the hall of fame. Uh, so like I, I want to go, I actually want to go to Kent. I haven't gone to Kent for any of these speeches yet. I think it'd be boring just because you're just gonna be sitting and listening to speeches. Probably, yeah. But at the same time, it's Peyton Manning. Um, you go to the game, right? Like the next well, day, I, I, have I, a game I, or I go to the game, but it's, you know, it's a preseason. Go to the game. hall of fame. I mean, yeah, I, I've been once I, I was there. I was, you know, neither here nor there. I was a, a filmer that essentially turned into a video coordinator for a D2 team. And we yeah. played and we played against a team that actually played out of that, that stadium. So I was down in Canton and I got to see it. Um, but kind of like in terms of like overall Peyton Manningness, like as a Broncos fan, I hated him very early on because he was the team that ruined my playoff experiences early on. Um, the rock Alexander game. I don't know if you remember this, but he had a perfect passer rating in this game. They, I want to say they scored 55 points. That's what led to the champ Bailey trade. Um, so like that, like, but over the years, like basically Peyton Manning was so fucking good that you basically are just like, dude, he's so good. I can't hate him. Like he's, you, you just yeah. have to respect him. And it's kind of like not quite in the same level for me with Tom Brady. Cause like, I still kind of hate Tom Brady, but, <laughs> but when Peyton Manning signed with the Broncos, I Tebow, that's how excited I was. And then for it to actually go the way it did, like I was worried in 2015 because he was a zombie. I didn't think they were going to win a Super Bowl. I thought the whole time, like the offense, the wheels are falling off. Like there's no way this is going to work. Um, but one of the things like in your breakdown a couple of years ago that I thought was really, really insightful was you talked about how Peyton Manning was basically a clinic in terms of like how to throw on platform, how to like reset. Yeah. And and you, you brought up and it, it made me like reevaluate how I watched him. It was because he had to be because after the surgery, basically he didn't have like an off platform game. Like he basically had to be on, he had to be on to be able to make the throws. I think so. I watched the 20, 
13 season, yeah. I believe. That's and I remember that season very well because I picked up Julius Thomas like 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 an, a minute after that game ended week one on Sunday Night Football or whatever it was when he had like six touchdowns and I won my fantasy league because of that. But so my thing with Peyton Manning was I came into it being like, obviously I knew Peyton Manning, but I had never had like watched film on him. Just yeah. watch games, you know, you know, he's great, whatever. And I can't, kind of was expecting these like really like elaborate quarterback plays where it's like, hey, he looked this way and then he moved the safety and then he came back and, he, and then he did this and he went through all his progressions. Like, look how cool it is. He's in the pocket. He's maneuvering in the pocket while going through progressions. And it's like, that that happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it wasn't like, it wasn't as, you know, you see Drew Brees do that a lot. His eyes are darting around looking and he's moving in the pocket. He's resetting his feet. And with Peyton, it was like, it was just so clean. Like there was no ever looked like he was panicked he would throw these perfect first of all accuracy is out of control uh just perfect on every throw and because of that if he felt he could just throw on time all the time and the ball would get to his receiver and he wasn't throwing it to coverage and honestly there was a lot of throws to the sideline where it's like hey we're not going to really test the linebackers and the safeties and stuff like that. I'm just going to throw a perfectly accurate timed ball on a comeback route to the sideline to Demarius Thomas, and we're going to complete it every time. And um, a good example of that is, you know, they used to run their levels concept. I think they call it dig or digs, where you basically have a high low on the, let's say the will linebacker, one of the linebackers. And it's okay. If he drops deep, on the dig route, then you throw underneath. And if he stays short, then you throw over top. And with Peyton, it was like, and it goes back to kind of what we were talking about before of like being accurate in a short game. Like you can't be 80% accurate in the short game. You have to be 95% accurate in a short game or else it's useless. And it was like, if that linebacker opened up for one step, the ball was out, it was underneath, it was caught in stride. It was five yards guaranteed, and it might be six, seven, eight, nine, ten if they broke a tackle if we turned upfield. So it was like it was just the cleanest amount of quarterback play that I've seen. Just everything is clean. My friend Nate Tice says there's no meat on the bone. It was just clean. And like when you compare it to Locke, whose feet are always jittery and he's always taking an extra step and his feet are bouncing a little bit. Like, there's none of that with Peyton Manning. Yeah, he, he does that thing on his tippy toes a little bit, but, like, like the, in terms of, like, actual, like, mechanics, there's nothing wrong. And so it was like I went into it looking for some really cool stuff to break down, and it's like, no, it's just clean. It's just clean and perfect every time. And he knows where the he should go with the ball before the ball is snapped every time and especially at that time in his career 2013 like yeah well and that's one of those things that like people do that with lock people do that with a lot of quarterbacks so, like oh he's a fr he only throws to his first read but the thing with like manning manning to me like really asserted to my like kind of like reaffirmed yeah. my mind like that's a bullshit claim because like if a guy yeah. knows how to get to his first read why yeah. wouldn't he go to his first read 100 percent and plus, like, what is a first read? Yeah. No one really knows what a first read is. Everything is a first read and nothing is a first read, right? Like, so it's like, uh, so I don't know. So, so yeah, that was just, like, super, super fun to watch in a very calming type of way.
where you're like, oh, that's just a beautifully thrown football every time. So, yeah. So would you say that that's kind of like the big difference between him and Drew Brees? Because I was going to ask you next, like, because again, you've watched a lot of Drew Brees and how... And, and I don't necessarily want to make you do like the whole Mount Rushmore thing, but like, obviously mm-hmm. I consider them both like two of the probably four or five best quarterbacks ever, uh, just in terms, and I'm not doing like the rings conversation, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't, I separate that kind of stuff because it's a team game, but like they're t- the two, two of the three best quarterbacks I've ever like watched in terms of like, I've really watched them. Um, and in a lot of ways they're similar, but there's, there's obviously differences. And I think you highlighted a really good one with Breeze is that he is like working through progressions and stuff quite a bit. Yeah. You see that more. And obviously he, he's still like, can, you know, throw to his first read quote unquote, like that's not a problem, but you just see him like getting, um, you know, because so with Peyton, with that unbelievable arm, you can always make that play to your, to your, again, quote unquote, first read where with Breeze, it's like, Hey, maybe I can't, I can't do that, especially like 2017 to 2019 Breeze, where he was elite, but he was getting older, and he he knew he couldn't make a lot of those throws, so he had to go through progressions. And first of all, he wasn't like he wasn't like passing up open players, like that wasn't the case. But it was like, hey, you know, that's a more of a difficult throw for me, so I'll come down, I'll check it down. But he was just doing it at such a um, metronomical level. Uh, I don't know if that's a word, like a metronome, right? It, was it like is now. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, it is now. Tick, tick. Just doing it every single time. So he had to be like that. Whereas Peyton Manning, it was, it was still like up until 2015 when everything fell off, like you, like you, like you said, um, he was still being able to be Peyton Manning. Whereas Drew Brees couldn't be like 2011 Drew Brees anymore. Um, where they were throwing the ball down the field and throwing the ball in posts and shit like that. Like he could, he could do it, but it had to be cut down. But what he could be was an elite player um, getting through progressions, throwing the ball accurately underneath time and time and time and time again. So that was really that they're very different quarterbacks. I mean, we know that I'm not saying anything crazy, but they're very different quarterbacks in, in that regard. Uh, so one of the big kind of, kind of starting to work towards, you know, letting you go. Cause I know I'm holding you up a lot. Um, one of the big debates. And again, Broncos fans are doing this too. Like with Pat Mahomes, like the whole Madden cover, Pat Mahomes getting the whole goat thing. Uh, Cause a lot of people are just saying it's way too early. And, and I do think, you know, you can't say he's a goat already in terms of like his, you know, his career's not over, but I think, but I think the reason we have this conversation with Mahomes is kind of wrapping back to your point with Herbert is like, Mahomes came in and he's basically like obviously a plus arm strength. He's able to make throws, you know, he's able to do things that I've never seen a quarterback do before. Mm-hmm. And he's figuring it out still. Like he's still kind of elevating in terms of like the overall, like the finite, like the finite parts of being a quarterback. So like, I've never seen a quarterback start his career like this. Like there's definitely, he's on track to be. He's on track. Exactly. But exactly. I think it's like, like, who cares? Like, I, I understand yeah, no, you guys I, I, are Broncos. I, I, no, 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 but I, I understand you guys are Broncos fans, and it and it hurts. You know what I mean? Like, when your division rivals are – Tampa Bay just won a damn Super Bowl. I'm a Saints fan. Like, it hurts. It, it hurts. sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Um, uh, so, like, I, I, I understand it, but it's like in, – in today's day and age, we're going to extrapolate and say, like, oh, he is going to be the GOAT. He's the GOAT already, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But I think the thing that you mentioned that's the most important thing, and I think people – don't understand because there are some subtleties to it. He's like a, 
a savant in the pocket in terms of understanding coverages, in terms of manipulating defenders, in terms of doing what you know he wants a defender to do rather than what the defender actually wants to do. He's on a level that is kind of unique. It is, it is unique. Um, I've never seen this before. I've just never seen it before from the pocket because, yeah, he makes all these plays um, outside the pocket, blah, blah, blah. That, that's bonus to him. That's bonus. Whereas with Locke, it's like that's what he like. He only Ask has you. that. Yep. He only has that in his game right now. With, with Mahomes, is just a bonus because he is so unbelievably smart in the pocket um, and doing some stuff that we have, we've never seen before. So that's why he's on a level that, that people are calling him the GOAT already. Well, and that to me is one of those reasons why, like, even if the Chiefs start to have to lose pieces because of the the, the cap situation, Mahomes is still so good that it's not like they're going to suddenly become obscure, you know, irrelevant team, like an irrelevant team, unless like Reed retires and everyone gets hurt. Like, I just Mahomes is too good. He's that quarterback. Like, he's the guy you win because of. Yep. And so, and again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I probably not news to you. I'm just I'm saying this just because again, like. I don't like it. Like, I'm not rooting for this. Like, I would love for Mahomes to suddenly decide, you know what? I don't like Kansas City anymore. I want to live in South Beach. Like, I would prefer yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But until that happens, like, I just think, like, the Chiefs are basically the running – they're running the AFC West. And basically, that's – the Broncos have to kind of live in that world. Like, they were the team that everyone else did that to forever. Yeah. That's, now it's the opposite. So – but it's too bad, man. It I sucks. for you guys. It sucks. I mean, hey. T- well, you got to hope, hope that you find – you got to find a quarterback I, somewhere, right? Ha, have you looked at the 2022 class? I, I swear I'll let yes, you talk to this. I have. No, I haven't. Is, have. is, is there any hope in that? Because, again, like there was a lot. Like I know Dane Brugler from The Athletic basically said the NFL was really down on next year's draft um, in terms of the quarterbacks. I know this last quarterback class, I thought it was one of the better quarterback classes I've studied. It was, yeah. Uh, so I'm not – I've watched Sam Howell. Uh, I've watched a little bit of Rattler. I don't think the Broncos will get Rattler anyway, so I don't think it matters. They have, they're going to have to – they're gonna have to bottom out, but no, you'd have to get the first pick basically right now to to take Rattler. If they don't, and that's it. That's the problem. Like I don't know. Like I kind of agree with you know. This is not as of right now. Things change in a year. Yeah, yeah. But as of right now, it's not a great quarterback class. I think the only guy who you see is like a real NFL player is Rattler. I think with Howell, man. Throws a really nice, accurate deep ball and does some really interesting stuff, but also that offense is fake. Um, so I don't know about Howell, but he has, you know, he, he's played since, a tr- since he was a true freshman. This is an important year for him, though, I would say, um, in terms of his draft stock because they lost so many talented skill position players. It, it feels a little bit like the Jordan Love year. like the And again, I know they're not the same player, but how Jordan Love lost all that help around him and then had to kind of play without it. And I think in that way, we'll, we'll we'll really have a good idea of what Howell is after this year because of that. Yeah, and then after that, it's like a lot of guys who are in like – who are in these same offenses that Howell is in where it's like – and like like jo- Drew Locke was in Josh Heupel's offense. It's like these offenses that do just a great, great job of making their quarterbacks irrelevant. So like, yes, if you put um, – Man, I'm trying to think of a good example. Carson Strong. I can't. No, Carson Strong is very different. Okay. They so. play. They, they play air raid there. They're like full on air raid. It's okay, wild. So. Um, but I'm trying to think of a guy. Anyways, so like, you have these offenses that are like very collegiate, 
that's what I'll say, like very collegiate. And they don't put their quarterbacks in any tough situations. They're just throwing outside the numbers. They're throwing deep balls. That's it. There's no nothing else. It's not very uh, a lot of like nuance there. So we just don't know about him, about Malik Willis, about Derek King, like saying Howell, Malik Willis, Derek King, Dylan Gabriel, all these guys who are, who are like in this group here. We just don't know about them because we they haven't done any NFL thing yet. So like you really have to strip it down and be like, hey, we think the traits are good enough that we'll figure it out later. And uh, there's not many guys like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, and again, like I'm not, I, I know I didn't kind of give you any sort of like real warning on this. But so my concern with that, just kind of most of them, I assume are still playing in the same offenses that you just described. So the, the only one is Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel goes from Josh Heupel's offense to Gus Malzahn's offense, which is a little different. That's but, Gus, but Gus Malzahn's offense is pretty college too, though. It's it's pretty college but it's not, it's not as extreme same. as yeah. Josh Heibel runs the most extreme offense you will ever see in your life. So like, yeah. there is going to be a big big difference there. But but I just mean like, even if all of them have really good years, we'll still be projecting a lot next year in the draft. Yeah. So. Yeah, oh, means, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, so it just means like some of these guys may end up being surprises, but it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot, even more than you would hope it is, like it was last year, like this last draft. So, yeah, I think you saw more NFL s- stuff from these quarterbacks um, than you did, even from Mac Jones. And everyone says, hey, you know, uh, the easy offense, blah, blah, blah. It's not like it's not like the ones that are coming up next year. Gotcha. Uh, so basically, you have me convinced that it has to be Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> I would love to see it, too. I need Rodgers out of the NFC. So let's go bring him to uh, bring him to Denver. So awesome. Uh Again, guys, if you do not follow Seth on Twitter, first of all, I have no idea how you don't, but if you don't, he is at PFF underscore Seth. Uh, You can read his stuff at PFF. Uh, Again, I have the offensive scheme analysis saved. There's a Broncos thing coming out on Friday. I assume you guys are listening to this on Thursday. If you're not, it's probably already out, so go check it out. Uh, Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. This was a pleasure. Anytime you want to do that, I'm down.